I used to read a proverb a day as a young person, and I think there's some validity in doing that. I had a professor in college that said, if you'll read one psalm a day, it'll change your life. I began to do that a number of years ago. And uh, if you want to get to know your God, if you want to get to know about Him a lot, the psalms are fantastic to help us with that. All of Scripture is that way, but uh, the psalmist had a unique knack for describing God. And uh, it helps us to get to know Him. And we get to Psalm 107. He begins the psalm with the word O. Oh. <laughs> We've talked about this before. The exclamation of the word O. Oh. And every time we see that in Scripture, it's letting us know that the, the truth that is getting ready to follow that expression is so great that the soul is overwhelmed. And there needs to be an expression that is given to express the excitement, the zeal, the, 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 the emotion behind what he's getting ready to say. And he's so overwhelmed by it that the only expression he has for it is, Oh. Oh. And he starts with the word, Oh. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good. doesn't say that He does good things, although He does. But the reason God does good things is because He is good. It's part of who He is. It's one of His attributes. For He is good, for His mercy endureth until the next time I sin. Is that what your Bible says? His mercy endureth until I fail Him again. Is that what it says? How long does His mercy endure for? The psalmist says, for His mercy endureth forever. You know, if there's ever a verse of Scripture that can be simply pointed to to express how eternal our salvation is, the fact that we are secure in our salvation, that we cannot lose it, it would be to understand that God's mercy endureth. That means it, it puts up with the things that come against it. It endureth forever. Once that mercy has been applied to you and I, it is there for eternity. I'm thankful for that. Because the truth of the matter is, you and I would all be in a mess if it only endured until the next time we failed Him or the next time we sinned. And so the psalmist is thinking of these things. He's thinking of the goodness of God and he's thinking of the eternal mercy of God. The fact that it endures. And he said, oh, give thanks unto the Lord. When you think of such thoughts, his expression is, oh, give thanks. I love Psalm 107. I wasn't going to read it in its entirety, but it's so good. I, I want to read it all in the service. And then we're going to hold your Bibles. We're going to look at several of the passages. But he says in verse number 2, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Can I tell you this? We ought not be ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. When it comes to telling people that we're saved, that we're Christians, that we've, we've trusted Christ as our Savior, that we love our God, there ought not to be any embarrassment with that. A number of years ago, I was talking with my friend, Brother Wayne Korfman, who was up in years, and his wife, Catherine, of many years, had passed away just a year or so before. And I went to his apartment one evening to spend some time to encourage him. And he's one of those kind of fellas that uh, when, when you go to encourage somebody and, and they are more of a blessing to you than you've ever been to them, he's that kind of a person. And I went to sit with him, and, and when he gets excited, he stutters. He has since he was a kid. and I mean, stutter's bad. He has a hard time spitting it out. And uh, we got to talking about how good God was. And 
uh, he started sharing with me. He said, I sure love him. And we got talking about wonder why it is that we don't talk about him more. And he made a statement to me I'll never forget. I'll never forget. He said, Brother Greg, we're never, never, never embarrassed to talk, talk, talk about the ones we love. I thought, oh, I wish I could love God that way. To be able to boldly tell people, I sure love Him. He sure has been a good Savior to me. He's overlooked my faults. He's redeemed me from my sins. And the psalmist said it this way in verse 2, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Well, if God has done something to like save your soul from hell, if He has shown you mercy, if He has given you grace, the Bible uses this term, if He has redeemed you, if He has bought you back, with the precious price of His own blood, His own sacrifice on Calvary, then say so. Let somebody know. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom He hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. You know, the Bible teaches us in John that a man doesn't have to do anything to be condemned. In fact, in John chapter number 3, verse number 18, it says that he that believeth not is condemned already. We were born into this sinful condition. We were born, if you will, and using the phraseology that the psalmist used here, we were born in the hand of the enemy. And Jesus redeemed us from it. He paid the price and He rescued us from Him. And the Bible tells us, according to verse number 2, that if that's happened, we ought to say so. And gathered them out of the lands from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south. They wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. You ever been there? You ever been to that point where you felt like you were going to faint spiritually? You ever been through those valleys that you didn't know where to turn? It seemed like there was no way out. It seemed like the darkness was there and no light was ever to be seen again. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble. Isn't that a miracle? You know, one of the great miracles is that God hears us and answers our prayer. We have a place to turn. This Bible says in verse 6, Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them out of their distresses, and He led them forth by the right way, that they might go to a city of habitation. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. For He satisfieth the longing soul, and filleth the hungry soul with goodness, such as sit in darkness in the shadow of death, being bound in affliction and iron. You ever been there? Because they rebelled against the words of God, and contemned the counsel of the Most High. Therefore He brought down their heart with labor. They fell down, and there was none to help. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and He saved them out of their distresses. Aren't you glad when there is none to help, He's still there? Verse 14, He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and break their bands in sunder. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. And you know, I'll tell you this, folks. When God delivers us and brings us out of these things, not only has He delivered our soul from the place of hell and from the place of condemnation, but daily He delivers us. Oh, that men would praise Him 
Oh, that we would lift Him up. Oh, that we would tell people about Him. When God does something good, I don't care if it's next, if you're standing next to a lost person or somebody you know or somebody you don't know. When God does something for us, we ought to say, well, praise the Lord for that. God has done something good for me. God sure has been good in that area because He has. People need to know that. They need to see God's hand at work. It's amazing. I've talked with several people in the last probably month and a half, six weeks or so. Two or three folks now that uh, I've been talking with and praying with. and They've had burdens on their hearts and they've been praying. And I've had a number of them, probably two or three at least, maybe four, in the last five or six weeks that have come and said, Pastor, it's amazing how God has answered my prayers. I'm thankful they spoke up and said something about that. I'm thankful they told me and said, Boy, uh, let me share something with you, Pastor. God's done something good for me. You say, Well, I, God hasn't done anything good for me. Did you wake up with a roof over your head? Did you sleep in a bed? Did you have a meal? Do you have another day to serve the Lord? Let me ask you this. Do you have a Bible that you can read in your own language? Do you have a church family that encourages you and loves you? Absolutely. We are so loaded with benefits and blessings from the Lord that we oftentimes overlook and think, well, that's just my life. No, that's the grace of God. That's His blessings on our life. Oh, that men would praise Him for His wonderful goodness. Verse 18, Their soul abhorreth all manner of meat, and they draw near to the gates of death. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and He saveth them out of their distresses. He sent His Word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of man. And let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving. And declare His works with rejoicing. Oh, that we would take heart to that verse. That we would give thanks, not just at Thanksgiving time, but throughout the year. That we would rejoice in what God is doing. There's nothing wrong with putting a smile on your face and telling somebody what God's done for you. You say, well, they may not like it. They may walk away. Well, they may walk away, but they're going to remember that smile on your face. There's going to be something different there. Why? Because we're rejoicing in what God has done in our lives. And can I tell you this? It's always a joy when you see God do something that there's no other explanation for it than God did it. It wasn't something that was even possible that you and I could do or that we had any control over whatsoever. But God did it. Can I tell you, that brings great joy. That brings great thanksgiving. I don't care how difficult our lives get. I trust me. I've been in. I've been in some valleys. I've. I, I look around the room. I know some of the stories. Some of you have shared with me. I know some valleys. Some of you have been in. I'm not saying that life has always been pleasant. But can I tell you this? I don't care how dark the valley gets. There is always a Savior to rejoice in. Always. For His wonderful goodness to us. You say, Well, brother Greg, life's been hard. Yeah, but we had a Savior that walked beside us. We had someone that we could cry to in our distresses. And He heard us. And He answered us. Oh, what a Savior. Verse number 23, They that go down to the sea in ships and do business in great waters, these see the works of the Lord and His wonders in the deep. 
For He commandeth and raiseth the stormy wind which lifteth up the waves thereof. They mount up to the heaven. They go down again to the depths. Their soul is melted because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are at their wit's end. Some of you parents have told me before, I'm at my wit's end. Any of you ever been there? We've been there, haven't we? Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble. And He bringeth them out of their distresses. Do we see a recurring theme happening here in this chapter? He maketh the storm a calm, so that the waves thereof are still. Then are they glad, because they be quiet. So He bringeth them unto their desired haven. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. Let them exalt Him also in the congregation of the people and praise Him in the assembly of the elders. We've got friends of ours, some of our own church family, not able to be here today. Some of them very, very near death's door and declining. Several of them. God is giving grace. I was talking with someone just this morning. God doesn't always choose to heal, but He always, always gets the glory. Because whether by life or by death, we are His. To do with as He sees fit. Paul was in that place. He said, I'm in a strait betwixt two. He said, I have a desire to depart, which is far better. But he says, more needful for you that I stay. Paul rejoiced in it regardless. Whether by life or by death, he's a wonderful Savior. He gives great grace. He gives great mercy. And the psalmist said, Oh, give thanks. Give thanks. In verse number 1, he said, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good. For His mercy, His mercy endureth forever. He said, Really, Greg, I have a hard time finding things to be thankful for. You don't have to look very far. God gives us a reason. He's good. His mercy endureth forever. Look with me, if you will, to Philippians chapter number 4. Philippians chapter number 4. Paul, of all people, understood what it was to suffer, didn't he? He had been stoned to the point of death. He had been in shipwrecks. He had been hungry. He had been thirsty. He'd been in the deep. Paul understood what it was to suffer. And yet was the one who penned the words under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Rejoice in the Lord. How often? Always. And again, I say rejoice. You say, Paul, how can you do that? I think Paul understood some things. In Philippians chapter number 4, look with me in verse number 6. Paul writes this, be careful for nothing. And the word careful here means literally to be full of care, to be anxious, to have worry. He says, be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with what? With thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, 
which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You know, there's a couple other things we can be thankful for. We can be thankful that God hears us. You know, the psalmist prayed to the Lord. He said, incline thine ear. You know what he was saying? Not, not that God couldn't hear him. What he was saying is, I want your attention, God. Years ago, when Jonathan was just a baby, he would sit on my lap, and he was just getting to be old enough, and he would want, to, he would want my attention. And I might be reading a book, or I might be watching something on the television screen, and he'd be sitting beside me, and he'd be like, Dad. And I'd be like, what? And I wouldn't look at him. And he'd say, Dad. And I'd be like, what? Dad. What? And before long, those two little chubby hands would come up and grab my cheeks and turn my face to him. And he'd be like, right here. Can I tell you this? That's a funny story. But the truth is, what he wanted was my attention, my heart. And when the psalmist said to the Lord, incline thine, eye, or, incline thine ear, he was saying, I don't want you to just hear my prayer. I want you to give attention to it. I want to make sure, Lord, that I have your full attention. You know, there's seven, over 7 billion people in the world today. I was talking with somebody about this the other day. You know, all 7 billion plus people in the world today could pray to God all at the same time, and God would give every single one of them His direct attention. You say, how is that possible? Because He's God. He's able to do that. We have something to thank the Lord for, and that is He has an attentive ear. The psalm, or the, the, Paul said, be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. Why? Because He hears us. In everything, in everything, we're to pray, and He hears us. You know something else this tells us? It tells us that when He hears us, we can leave the burden there. Because once we have prayed, and we've made our supplication with thanksgiving to Him, then, the, then Paul says this, And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Can I tell you this? When we pray, we cast our burdens on Him. God gives a peace that really, to be honest with you, people that don't know the Lord don't understand. How can a Christian go through what they're going through and still praise the Lord? How can a Christian go through the turmoil and the trials of their life and still rejoice that they have a Savior? Because we give it to God and God gives us peace. Can I tell you this? That's something all of us can thank God for. Because we've all been there, haven't we? Where life was not what, it was, what we wanted it to be. Where the care and the anxiety and the frustration was there. And then we came to the Lord in our distresses and He heard us. And He gives us peace in the midst of a storm. Years ago, my sister was in a singing group with the college and heard two other girls sing a song that I, I love. And the title or the gist of the song was, the course of the song was, God wants to hear you sing when the waves are crashing higher. When you're in the midst of the valley, that's when God wants to hear your heart sing. When Paul and Silas were in the center of a prison, having been beaten in the stocks, uncomfortable, at midnight, the Bible says they were singing hymns. What allows a Christian to be able to sing like that? While this world may be able to, to put in bonds our flesh, 
They can never put in bonds our spirit. Because we have a God that gives us peace in the middle of it all. And in the midst of it, we can lift up our voices and sing, Count your blessings, name them one by one. Well, Brother Greg, you're going through some things. Oh, but God's been good. He's been good. And He's right here beside me. He may not have taken the, the roughness out of the road ahead, but He has given me His strength to go through it. All the blessings of an unbelievable God. Look with me, if you will, in 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. Just over a few pages. A little bit earlier in the Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. I'm looking forward to the rapture. And if you take time to read the verses ahead of this, you'll find that Paul is speaking of the time when the Lord will return. He'll take us all away. And when our corruption is this body that deteriorates, uh, we've got several families in our church, several people in our church whose bodies are, are giving out on them. They're getting weary. By the way, we're all sitting here today, and our bodies are wearing out on us. It's a corruptible body. But there's coming a day when God takes us away from here, either through death or through the rapture. For those that have trusted Christ as their Savior, there's a day where you and I will get a glorified body one that is not corruptible and one that will not age and one that will not grow old. And he talks about this in verse number 53. He says, For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. For years people looked at death and said, What a terrible thing. No, no. For a Christian, it's simply graduating from the corruptible to the incorruptible, from the mortal to the immortal, to be in the presence of God for the rest of eternity. It's something that as a Christian, we may not like the process of getting there, but it holds no fear for us. The Bible says, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory." Through our Lord Jesus Christ. What else can we rejoice in today? What else can we give thanks to God in? We give thanks to God that He's given us the victory. We've read the back of this book. We know how it ends. I don't care how rough life gets. I can say, boy, there's a glory that is waiting ahead of us that we cannot even put into words. And for that, I'm willing to endure this side so that I can gain that side. Oh my, I'm looking forward to it. You say, boy, this life is rough. Our policy, our politics are, are terrible. Our country is going down a decline. And I think Christians ought to speak up. I, I'm not saying we ought not speak up. But God deliver us from complaining about it. Help us to speak up in a productive way. To take a stand for things. To help make a difference in our society. But oh, that we would not be complaining because we have so much to be thankful for. There are countries that are all around this world today that would love to be in the United States of America. If you don't believe me, go down to the Mexican border and spend a day there watching the people that are streaming from other countries into this country. We have so much to be thankful for. Can I tell you this? If they only knew what heaven was like, there would be so many that would be streaming 
trying to say, I want to be there. Oh, wow, the glory that is set before us. The wonderful things that God has for those of us that have trusted Him as our Savior. We share the Gospel with somebody. We tell them that they need to trust Christ so they can have forgiveness of their sin. They can have God's mercy applied to them. They can be redeemed. They can be purchased by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and made to be righteous again. We can have that home in heaven for all of eternity. We need to share with them what glory awaits before. In John, the Bible says, Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in Me. In My Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto Myself, that where I am, there you may be also. I've heard people say, boy, I don't have a whole lot to thank the Lord for today. Oh, yes, we do. (laughs) There's never a day goes by we don't have an awful lot to praise the Lord for. Well, it's been a rough day today, preacher. Yes, it may have been. We can lay our heads down at night rejoicing and thanking God. Lord, thank You for Your goodness to us. Thank You for Your blessings. Thanks be to God, verse number 57, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You and I would not have victory over sin or death if it were not for the Lord Jesus Christ. We could could not save ourselves. There was a price that was too great. We could never have paid it. Well, I'm thankful we've got something to be thankful for. I don't care how difficult life is. We can rejoice in it. We can be thankful for it. Look with me in 2 Corinthians, just over a few pages, chapter number 2. 2 Corinthians chapter number 2 and verse number 14. Verse number 14, it says, Now thanks be unto God, which always causeth us to triumph in Christ. And notice this, I want you to notice this part of it. And maketh manifest the savor of His knowledge by us in every place. Can I tell you this? There's another thing we can be thankful for. And that is that God uses us to make manifest the knowledge of Him. I am thankful that God allows us to serve Him. I'm thankful that when Jesus got ready to go back to heaven, He told His disciples, I want you to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I mean, I don't want there to be a single person that doesn't know the story of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And He gave that challenge, He gave that commission, He gave that command to you and I, to those of us that believe, to those of us that are Christians. Can I tell you this? Paul said, I thank the Lord for that. Paul was so excited that God had counted him worthy and put him into the ministry. Paul was so excited that after the life he had lived, persecuting God and persecuting the Christians and thinking that he was doing God a favor, God allowed him to be still involved in ministry. When the apostles heard of it, they said, Whoa, wait a minute. This is Paul. He's the one who was putting everybody to death. I don't know if we really want him around us. The Bible says that the apostles sent him home. 
They were worried about him. There was a fellow by the name of Barnabas. Oh, that God would give us some more Barnabases. That remembered Brother Paul. And when the time came, he went and got Paul. He said, God has a work for us. Let's go. And God put Paul into the ministry. Could you imagine what our Bible would be like without Paul's epistles? Could you imagine the hundreds and now thousands and probably hundreds of thousands, maybe even millions, of people that are saved and in heaven today as a result of Paul's ministry? Paul said, it's a privilege that God has chosen to make the knowledge of Him manifest through us. It's a wonderful joy to be used of the Lord in His service. That's something we have to be thankful for. That God, out of all the things He created, said, I'm going to use that person right there to do my work. Look with me in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 1. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 1. And verse number 3. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse number 3. We're going to begin in verse 1 so that we can get into it. Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus, under the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you all making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father. Can I tell you this? There is a thankfulness that we ought to have for the fellowship and the love of other brothers and sisters in Christ. God allows us to labor together. And he tells the folks in verse number 3, he says, Remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father. What a wonderful thing to have brothers and sisters that we can rejoice together in. Oh, you know what? I read the wrong passage. I was sitting there trying to think, that verse doesn't match. There we go. (laughs) This one will match a little better. I was like, how do I get to there? Here we go. We are bound to thank God, and there we go, always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith growing growth exceedingly, and the charity of every one of you all toward each other abound. There it is. Isn't it wonderful to be able to give thanks to God for other brothers and sisters in Christ? I'm thankful for the fellowship He gives us. It has been a blessing. I've told several folks that when we changed our Sunday evening church service to Sunday afternoon, it had an unexpected effect, and that is it brought the hearts of our people so much closer together because of the fellowship. It's interesting that in the book of Acts, when it talks about the early church and the Christians that were there, it says that they were of one accord and in one doctrine. That was the primary thing. But you know the second thing right after it was? And in fellowship. I think that personally, second only to doctrine in the church, ought to be fellowship in the church. It ought to be something that I believe strengthens each other, encourages each other, gives accountability one for another. 
all the blessings of that. And Paul says, We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly, and the charity of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth. I'm thankful for the fellowship that He gives us. And Paul says, I give thanks for that as well. Look with me in 1 Corinthians chapter number 1, and we're almost done. 1 Corinthians chapter number 1, and verse number 4. 1 Corinthians 1, and verse number 4. I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God, which is given you by Christ Jesus. One of the greatest things you and I have to give thanks for today is God's grace. I've talked with a number of folks. I've shared with them what God has done for their lives and what God longs for them to do by faith. I don't know how many times I've heard over the years people that have said, I I, I just I don't deserve it. I, I think I've got to earn that. I, there's got to be some way that I can become better, and, and until I do that, I don't think I can do this. Can I tell you this? If we had to become better to gain the mercy and the redemption of the Lord Jesus Christ, then there would be no grace. Because grace is me getting something that I do not deserve, that I have not earned, that I haven't been good enough to get. Salvation is not a reward for us becoming righteous. Salvation is God reaching out and saying, here's something I want to give you that you don't deserve, and I'm going to make you righteous. If you'll just put your faith and trust in Me. If you'll trust Me for what I've said I would do, put your faith in Him for our salvation. The Bible says, as Paul writes this in verse number 4, he says, I think... My God, always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given you by Christ Jesus. Grace is getting something we don't deserve. What is it that God has given to us? Well, He's given us, we use the word salvation. What does that mean? Well, it means that we were on our way to hell. And He saved us from that. He did that because He gave us mercy. I don't deserve God's mercy. I know that's why it's His grace. You know, one of the greatest acts of God's grace is Him giving us His mercy. Well, He's given me a home in heaven to spend eternity with Him. I certainly don't deserve that. He's given me the opportunity to serve Him with my life. I certainly don't deserve that. He's given me His Word to hold in my hands and to read and to learn and allow the Holy Spirit to do a work in my heart. I certainly don't deserve that. He's given me a Holy Spirit to live inside of me, to help guide my steps and to instruct me in righteousness and to help me along the way, to bring peace, to bring conviction where it's needed. I certainly did not deserve that. He's given me so much. And it's all because of His grace. If that could have been earned, then God's grace would be of none effect. There'd be no reason for it. 
because I could get all that because I've worked for it, I've paid for it, I've lived a certain way. No, no. We come to Christ as we are. We put our faith in Him, and He extends His grace to us and gives it to us freely. And as a Christian, I can rejoice in that. As a Christian, I can say, Lord, thank You. Thanks be unto God for His grace. And then lastly, 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5. We've given you a number of things to be thankful for today. If you leave here today and you can't find something to be thankful for, then go back and replay the message because we've given you plenty of them. I don't know anybody can leave here today and say, well, I don't have anything to thank the Lord for. Sure you do. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5, if you will. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5. Let's look down at verse number 18. Paul writes, In everything give thanks. I've given you a lot of things that the Bible says we ought to give thanks in. But really, we could have made this message really short. I could have started the message with this verse and said we're to give thanks in everything. But the truth is, when we hear a general statement like that, we really don't think through all the things specifically that we can give thanks for. But if we have missed one, and certainly I'm sure we have, we've not exhausted God's Word on this. Then Paul sums it up this way. In everything, give thanks. In everything, give thanks. Why? Notice what he says here. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Pastor, I sure wish I knew what God's will is. I certainly know what part of it is. And that is to give thanks. In most things, no. In some things, no. In everything. Well, that's hard to do, isn't it? It's hard to do. It's an easy thing to know, but it's hard to do. We're to give thanks in everything. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. This Thanksgiving Day on Thursday, many of you are going to be at family members' houses or having family over. And everybody's going to laugh and they may watch the parades and they may watch the football games. They're going to eat a lot of food and then they're probably going to take naps, those of us that have sense. And those that are, those that are older are probably going to go out and play something outside or do something. And I encourage us in this. Let's, let's take some time on Thursday to say, Lord, thank You. Thank You. The truth is, time would fail us if we were to stay here from now until the Lord returned. And all we did was to thank Him for the things that we have to thank Him for. The truth is, time would fail us. I'm not real sure that the English language would have a sturdy enough vocabulary to express the gratitude that is owed to Him. And I'm not real sure that our hearts are capable of the fullness of thankfulness and love that ought to be expressed to Him. And all we can do is come to Him with the heart that we do have and say, Lord, You have all of it. 
thank you for all that you've done for me. Let's stand together, shall we, with heads bowed and eyes closed. From time to time, we just need to be reminded of how grateful we need to be. Sometimes we forget those things. We miss out on those things. We become discontent. We begin to gripe and grumble, complain. God is patient with us. God allows us to come to Him and cast our cares upon Him. And as God's people, sometimes we need to be reminded and we need to have a revival of a grateful attitude and a thankful spirit. And then there's the grace of God. There may be somebody here today that needs to trust Christ as their Savior. Maybe they would say, Pastor, I don't know if I died right now that I'd go to heaven. I've never trusted Christ as my Savior. I've not experienced His grace in my life. I've never put my faith in Him. I've never trusted Him. If that's the case, I would encourage you to make today the day that you would put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. To ask Him for forgiveness of your sin and become your Savior and give you a home in heaven for all of eternity. To take Him at His word and the promises that He's given to you. That if you'll trust Him and put your faith in Him, that He will save you. It can be that simple. And today you can rejoice in that. Whatever it is that God has placed upon your heart, in just a moment as we give an invitation, if God has spoken to you, our altars will be open. If you're more comfortable praying in your seat or in your chair, that's fine as well. But I would urge you that whatever God has laid on your heart to make that decision for Him today. Father, we pray that You'll bless the invitation time. Use it as You would see fit. May Your Holy Spirit work in our hearts and our lives and draw us closer. Help us to become more of what we ought to be for You. Bless the invitation time and do as you would see fit. In Jesus' name, amen.